This morning we're continuing from a message from last Sunday morning. Our text is the same as last week. It's John 12, 1 through 11, and we're going to read it again this morning. John 12, 1 through 11. It's on page 1065 in your pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along. This is God's holy and infallible word. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone. Jesus replied, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. That's God's word this morning. We uh, are continuing from last Sunday, and really we didn't get past verse 2 last Sunday. Uh, We saw how Jesus shows us in this whole text uh, this beautiful scene of a dinner in honor of Jesus. And, And we saw this as... As, as a scene, a portrait of the family of God because all these people gathered here are people who Jesus called while he was ministering on earth. All, all people who responded to Jesus and his word. And as an artist is careful with every detail of a work of art, of a painting, the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures here and everywhere else in the Bible, so that we would see just what God wants us, his people, to see. We saw that the scene, first of all, shows us how a portrait of the family of God includes an atmosphere of thanksgiving permeating the life of the people Jesus saves. The dinner was held in honor of Jesus to thank him for raising Lazarus from the dead. That's in chapter 11. And remember last week we looked at that 17th century painting and we saw that as sunlight was shown coming through the window to fill the room in that scene, so the attitude of gratitude fills the heart and the life of a believer, of people like us. As much as sometimes other attitudes and other moods can try to dominate in our lives, thanksgiving for what Jesus has done is really what we're all about. We also saw, secondly yesterday, how a portrait of the family of God includes 
wanting to know Jesus more. That's what Lazarus wanted to do. He wanted to be near the one who had done not only all these great miracles, but who had done a great miracle in his life, who raised him from the dead. And the one who said, come out to Lazarus in the tomb, he says, come out to each one of us, doesn't he? And we come out of our sin and out of the darkness and we enter into his fold to be with him and to know him more. The last thing we saw last week was Martha serving. Martha serving, as she always did. Martha, who was reprimanded by Jesus once for the way in which she was serving, bitter that no one was helping her. But now she's serving joyfully, no doubt, because her focus is on Jesus this time. Not herself, not others, for Jesus. And in her serving, Martha served Jesus, the Savior, first, expected nothing in return because she already received everything she could possibly need from the Lord. And as she served, you and I serve as members of Jesus' family today. We serve here in the church, certainly. We serve in our homes. We serve one another. Everywhere God has called us. So fourth, today, a portrait of the family of God includes an outpouring of affection for Jesus. And in this, we see the the centerpiece of the painting. For those 17th century Dutch masters we spoke about last week, there would always be a focal point to their works of art. All the details were important. All the details were there for the viewer to take in. But there was one place especially that the artist wanted you to look. In Vermeer's famous girl with the pearl earring, it's that, that pearl earring that, that flashes, that glistens. And the pearl earring in our text is Mary and her action. And that's verse 3. If Lazarus shows us we must know Jesus, and if Martha shows us we've got to serve Jesus, well, Mary shows us our call to love our Savior with all our heart. Nard is the name of a plant, and it's also the name of the fragrant oil or perfume that comes from it. And this was a luxury item. What, what she poured out was worth about a year's salary. You can imagine that. So, however you look at it, tens of thousands of dollars it would be the equivalent today. I've never bought Sarah Nard, and, and I don't often buy Sarah perfume, period. She, Sarah's not like a, a big perfume person. At least I don't think there's this big perfume scent in that area of the church. But I did buy her special perfume this past Valentine's Day for special. And just because it's not something, there's something that she smelled in, in Real Simple in that magazine. Do you know that? And she's like, I really like that. And that was so unusual because, like I said, she's not a big perfume person. I kind of tucked that away. Um, I didn't remember it. And Karen in the office had to help me track down what in the world this was. 
That's a whole other story. You can ask Karen about it. It was very complicated. She called her daughter Carrie, but we, we figured it out. But what I learned was it was a little more expensive than I expected. And in fact, and I'm sorry, I'm taking away the romance of this gesture totally by talking about this, <laughs> but it's for the sake of John 12. It was, in fact, one of those purchases, and I don't know if, if you guys or anybody, is it, you know, should I do this or shouldn't I? Or should I, you know, their flowers are great too. And I, I did it, and I'm glad I did it. The perfume that I bought was a little pricey for what I'm accustomed to buying at least, but it was nothing like this. Can you imagine making a purchase like this. I mean, you wouldn't even be sort of on the fence, unless you were a little bit crazy, to, to spend a luck, to spend, to buy a luxury item and use like a year's worth of your salary. Imagine, imagine that. But that's, that's what Mary did for one person. And she would have only done it for one person. And it's for her Savior, for her Savior. Just let that, let that sink in. Usually, you poured something like this out on someone's head, but she poured it out on Jesus' feet, and, and we really think that that's a sign of, of just deep humility. She didn't even think she, it was, she was worthy to approach any part of him except his feet, and to wipe her, use her hair, wipe it off with her hair, that is a sign of deep humility too. The Bible talks about a woman's long hair as her glory in 1 Corinthians 11. And that was the view in the ancient world. So, so Mary is, is giving up her glory to give him honor and glory. That's what's going on. And those who have been saved by Jesus today, we show our deep love and affection for him too in addition to wanting to know him more and serve him joyfully. And this affection, this love for Jesus, boy, it should fill the whole church, the whole building, our houses, just as this fragrance filled the whole household back then. Mary wasn't here at this time to listen to a sermon from Jesus, like we do on Sundays. She had done that, and she did that regularly. She did that earlier when she was sitting at his feet listening to him. She was listening to his teaching. She didn't come this time to ask Jesus for anything. She had done that the last chapter. She was asking that her brother would be healed by Jesus. She wasn't coming from the description here to, to fellowship and, and hang out and talk to these other believers like we do in church, maybe afterwards, sometimes in our small groups at Bible studies. That's good. That builds up our faith. All of those sorts of things are good. They're excellent. They're necessary. But Mary had come this time to pour herself out to Jesus. You know, probably everything she owned was wrapped up in the cost of that bottle of perfume. Jesus, and only Jesus, 
was grabbing her attention. She came to adore him, to worship him. That was her one thought. Is love for Jesus and what he's done for you your focus? Is that the reason you come here to worship in the church more than anything else? May our affection and our love for our precious Savior be the first among many, many excellent reasons to be here. The first, the first, our love for Jesus. Fifth, a portrait of the family of God includes shadows. The 17th century Dutch masters did a lot with light and darkness. Often in the paintings, there's something in the side, in the shadow. It's not the center of the painting, but it's still part of the picture. And in the shadow here, we have Judas and his grumbling, his complaining. It's verses 4 through 6. Why wasn't the perfume sold and given to the poor? And he wasn't even saying this because he cared about the poor. John is blunt. Judas was a thief, and he would help himself regularly to the money in the disciples' money bag. So there's nothing in this that is against helping the poor. Jesus' whole ministry was reaching those in need, and it's central to our mission today. But we, what we see is that nothing, is, nothing should trump our focus on Jesus. Even something as central to helping the poor, and we're going to take an offering for benevolence during communion today, not even that, as important as it is, nothing at all should trump our focus on Jesus. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Everything else is second. You always have the poor among you, says Jesus in his rebuke of Judas, but you will not always have me. And what this part of the scene with Judas reminds us is, is that there will always be opposition to the Lord and to the people of God. Mary is pouring her heart out and her love to Jesus, this awesome thing she does, and she's immediately challenged. John teaches us that Jesus is the light of the world who has come into the darkness. And true love for Jesus will bring out the hatred of those who are not of Jesus. You better believe that. When Jesus was born and worshipped as a baby, Herod tried to kill him. After the father said, this is my beloved son at his baptism, the devil attacked Jesus for 40 days. The apostles were seized and thrown in prison because they were teaching and preaching Jesus. Revelation 20 verse 4 talks of a coming day when many will be beheaded for the testimony of Jesus. And so we expect opposition to the Lord and his work when we're truly knowing him and serving him and loving him. When the light shines, the darkness attacks. When God is doing a great work in a church, there will be those who oppose it those perhaps who don't love Jesus or who have other priorities besides Jesus. Satan will create issues and problems 
He'll block God's work wherever he can, even in the church. And so we've got to be on our guard. Each one of us, not let anything get a foothold among us or cause division as Satan would love to have happen. He would love to sidetrack the work of the Lord wherever it is. He'd love to sidetrack it here too. And also, when God is doing a great work in your own personal life and in your heart, maybe you're making great strides in an area of struggle. Maybe you've been doing well for a number of weeks. Well, Satan will pounce on that. He'll try to sidetrack you. Everything we read in the Bible indicates this is true. And even in this beautiful portrait of the family of God, there's Judas lurking in the darkness. And and you know, I, I think the darkness sometimes rears in our lives as God's children in the form of of, of suffering or or an illness or in the loss of a loved one. But here's the comfort for the Christian, the comfort for the church and for you. The opposition will always be relegated to the shadows. The opposition will never see the light of day. For the Christian and for the church, what's in the shadows will never be allowed by our God to take center stage. I promise you that from God's word. And that's because of what Jesus would do shortly after this dinner. He would go to the cross to defeat sin and death and hell once and for all through his death and resurrection. And because of that, darkness will not gain the upper hand. Jesus will not let anyone or anything snatch his sheep from his hand as he told us in John 10. You can bank on it. The darkness may feel like it's overwhelming sometimes, but trust and know that God won't let it become the centerpiece of your life when you stay close to Jesus. You may very well be in the shadows and be like a mad dog nipping at your heels, but that's the closest that God will let it get. And one day when Jesus returns, what was in the shadows will be cast into the outer darkness. The Bible says, never to be seen again. And that portrait of your life and mine and of the church will be all light at that time. Not even a hint of the shadow as we bask in the presence of our glorified Savior forever. It's going to be a great day. And that leads us to our our final little thought in this text. A, A portrait of the family of God foreshadows the banquet of the Lamb in heaven. This is a banquet. This is a dinner. There's, we're going to celebrate a dinner that also helps us look there. There's coming a banquet in heaven, and it's called the, the wedding supper of the Lamb. That's when we're going to be with Jesus, with his people forever in heaven. We're going to be with everyone who he has gathered, everyone who has responded in faith and believes in him. The atmosphere of gratitude will permeate everything. None of those attitudes or actions that sometimes creep up inside of us, this side of heaven, they're never going to get in the way of your gratitude again and glory. Won't that be something to look forward to? 
and will know Jesus and serve Jesus and love Jesus perfectly. One little thing yet about what Jesus says when he says, leave her alone. If you got your Bible open, you notice that there's a little brackets. There's little brackets under the words, at least in the NIV, with what Jesus says. And and that means it's a little tricky. It's a little unclear what's being said in the original language. I agree with those who say what it should say is this. Jesus is saying, should, to Judas, should Mary have waited for my burial? Should Should Mary have saved this for my burial? And then, you know, later he says, you will not always have you with me. So in other words, I believe what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to die soon. Should she have waited to show her devotion and love until I'm gone from you? Obviously not. That would be foolish. In other words, right now, right then, that was the time for Mary to pour herself out to Jesus. Not later on, not when it was too late after he ascended into heaven while he was with them. There was only so much time that his children had with him before he'd go to the cross and rise and ascend. In a similar way, there is only so much time that we have, that we have as a church. We've got only so much time until Jesus returns. Now is the time to live thankful lives and work on that attitude of gratitude. Now is the time to grow in a knowledge of Jesus. Now is the time to serve Him with all our hearts. Now is the time to pour out all that we are to show Him our love, putting everything else second to Him. Now is the time to passionately pray for this mission of knowing Him and loving Him and serving Him at Faith CRC and to step up and work together at it with all our hearts. The centerpiece of this picture, love and affection for Jesus first. Love and affection for Jesus now. May God make That, the focal point of the portrait of your life may be the centerpiece of the portrait of Faith Christian Reformed Church too, with God's help and by His grace. 